0: Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby-Lubitz with you here on Believe. And uh, as we sit in South Florida, we have survived an Earl Scheib-like red paint shop of the state of Florida in the elections. We're waiting for the devastating effects of another Category 1 hurricane. But other than that, well, we're having a really nice day. And it's yes, always sir. a pleasure to welcome a gentleman of this caliber to the program. Uh, tell us about this, uh, this latest work that you have, uh, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson.
1: The biography of Bo Jackson, the greatest athlete who ever lived. I interviewed 720 people. Um, Bo, if you recall, was uh, the first athlete to ever play, major, uh, be an all star in two sports, Pro bowler and football, all star Major League Baseball. Career cut short by devastating hip injury. And it's sort of the, uh, the book is about, as advertised, the life and defeat of uh, truly the greatest athlete who's ever walked the earth.
0: Well, what were some of the things that, that you found out? that uh, would be of particular interest to the people because uh, you always do the so-called deep dive uh, into uh, any of the people and or teams that you portray. So uh, what was it that was unique uh, about Bo Jackson that
1: uh, helped? I mean, the guy was the most, one of the most unique people I've ever written about. He, um, he was born and raised in abject poverty in Alabama. He was one of 11 kids in a three-room house with no running water and an outhouse outside, tar paper roof wore his sister's hand-me-down shoes to school. This is in Bessemer, Alabama. Had a crippling stutter. Was held back a year. um, Was one of the great athletes, truly, to ever walk the earth, if not the greatest. In high school, he won back-to-back state to cap on championships. He was timed running the 40 in 4.13 seconds. Uh, In high school, he stole 90 of 91 bases in his career. He hit, uh, as a senior in high school, 20 home runs, a national record, while only playing 25 games because of commitments to track. After winning the day after winning his second state the Championship on a sprained ankle while wow, never taking off his sweatpants, he was asked to pitch a game for the baseball team, which he hadn't done that year in the playoffs. He struck out thirteen. He obviously went on to win the Heisman Trophy. He he, he with the Raiders, he ran a four one seven forty on in pads on grass. I mean the guy there's Jim Thorpe, you can mention Jim Thorpe, you can mention Deion Sanders, you can mention Carl Lewis or Michael Phelps, but there's Bo Jackson and there's everybody else by distance. Well, what's interesting,
2: and we're talking about Jeff Perlman here, the last Folk Hero talking uh, book about Bo Jackson. I grew up in the era uh, Bo knows, and he was, he took Folk Hero to another level. Uh, and it, and even though I'm a South Florida guy, I you sort of looked at Bo like this mythical character in an era that was modern day. Uh, when talking to people, uh, how unanimous was it that people were sort of saddened in the fact that his career was, in, in a sense, cut short. Look, he played baseball a lot after that, but he was never the same after that injury.
1: No, it kind of turned him into a biscuit. He just wasn't what he had been before. So, um, I mean, yeah. The guy, look, he never gets hurt. He's Jim Brown. He's Eric Dickerson yep. in, in baseball. He's, you know, potentially Mike Trout. He's that level. He um, It was crippling to him. Absolutely crippling, uh, the injury. And what, what people really talk about is remorse remorse of what could have been, the remorse of how great he could have been, the records he would have set. But the funny man's thing is, is he has zero remorse about it. I think he's very proud of his career, but he doesn't sit there. He doesn't have a big trophy room. He doesn't lament what could have been. He doesn't sit there ripping other players. He doesn't say, I'm better than Derrick Henry. I'm better than Mike Trout. He sort of owned it and moved on with his life. But for sports fans like myself, it's sort of devastating.
2: What do you think, Bo, would have... It's funny, because it was in an era... Uh, Pre-social media, he was a sensation at a different time. What would Bo have been in this day and age when you have videos, you have highlights, you have Twitter, TikTok, uh, Instagram, all based around the sensational?
1: Oh man! I mean, number one, the funny thing is, um, he would if he had been playing in college, and they had the NIL. NIL that, oh jeez, the guy would
2: have
1: <laughs> he, he would have been making ten million a year. Yeah. You know, he wasn't making ten million a year in endorsements. He was just—he was just ridiculous. And um, but he didn't care about. He wouldn't be a guy who's like all over. Twitter. He wasn't that guy. You know, he wasn't Zydecois. He wasn't moist. He wasn't that kind of guy. He just was like—he—he was—he was all about sports. He wasn't about self. He wasn't Deion Sanders. He wasn't trying to promote, promote, promote. Yeah. Um, so I think his highlights would have gone viral all over the place. But I don't think he himself would have been. You know. You know what I mean? I don't think he himself would have been tweeting and going crazy. I just think his highlights would have made it everywhere.
2: So we've, uh, we we sort of, we brought up your book. uh, He he was in the beginning, Defoe, bringing up your book, Showtime, which went on to be Winning Time, one of the more heralded series in the last year. We did sort of pick at Winning Time in the sense that their depiction of Pat Riley was a little interesting and their depiction of Jerry West was a little interesting. I, I remember reading your book and we had you on to talk about it. How true was your book to that series how involved were you in that series after you wrote the book that the series was based on?
1: Um, I was actually very involved. I uh, this season for season two, I'm a producer. Season one, I read all the scripts. I was asked a lot for my input on sort of accuracy issues, etc. <laughs> um, and I am—I love the show. I'm not just saying that; I would just say nothing, but I love the show. And I look—it's not a—it's not a documentary. It's not a documentary. It is. It's entertainment. It's based yeah. on it. It's the famous based on a true story. And if you look at our favorite sports TV shows and movies, from Winning Time to Rudy to Friday Night Lights to Remember the Titans, like they're all, they, they take leaps and they take exaggerations and they stretch characters. And I get it if you're Pat Riley and you think, oh, that's not how it was or Jerry West. But for me, it's sort of an appropriate way to approach the medium. It's a tribute to the era. It's not, it's not a documentary. There are plenty of documentaries on the Lakers that are great, but that's not what this is.
2: And before we let you go, uh, here again, Jeff Perlman, The Last Folk Hero of the Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. Another person you wrote a very uh, important and interesting book was Brett Favre, who we find in the news today. Uh, You're very honest about Brett Favre in that book, both highlighting and, you know, sort of being honest about some of his pitfalls. What are your thoughts on what's going on with Brett Favre these days?
1: Uh, I think he's a scumbag. I think um I have no interest in that kind of whatsoever. I, I said on social media people shouldn't buy my book. I don't my book did not go easy on that far. No. I um I just think he should not be celebrated at all. To me, I don't even understand it. Like you're mm-hmm. from you're from Mississippi. Like you it's the poorest state in America. And so many people in that state rely on welfare funds. You're a wealthy guy who played twenty years in the NFL and you're comfortable with welfare funds being taken from people who need it to build a volleyball arena at your yeah. alma mater, because your daughter plays volleyball there. It's so disgusting and so disturbing um, that I, you know, to hell with that guy. No interest.
2: Jeff Proman is great on Twitter. He's also great as an author, The Last Folk Hero, The Life, and Mythical Jackson. Jeff, appreciate your time once again. and look forward to talking to you in your near future. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right. Thank you. And we now... Rejoin with the one and only Jeff DeForest. <laughs> hey, DeForest. That was interesting.
0: Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> hearing anything he was saying because you kept freezing up uh, on the screen here, which uh, I had no idea what uh, Jeff was talking about. I, I hope he sounded very interesting, though. I, yes. And his comments about Brett Favre, I mean, obviously, guy it didn't hold back. Uh, we, we had issues with winning time only because it was almost comical. Yes. The portrayal of Pat Riley as the, uh, you know, Bobcat Gulfway uh, smoking a bunch of weed and, Uh, Totally lost out there. I don't know if he was ever like that, uh, Pat Riley. Hard to imagine that uh, he was that uh, kind of space cadet uh, as they portrayed him to be when he was uh, working as a video assistant and travel secretary for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers before he ended up becoming the head coach. And now I was in L.A. covering the team at that time. And I I do remember that the selection of Riley came out of nowhere. (laughs) He was doing color analysis, and I believe he was in his first year Yes, working with the legendary voice of the Lakers for many, many years, uh, Chick Hearn, the great Chick Hearn, who was a terrific guy. And uh, I was working at the time at, at a weeny, tiny little newspaper there, 5,000 Circulation Daily, the Fontana Herald News, outside of L.A. And I wanted to get out of there, and I thought, well, let me put together like sort of a resume page where I had the liberty to go ahead and write whatever I wanted and, and publish it. Uh, as long as, you know, as in uh, reasonable parameters in the world of sports. So I did a feature uh, about Chick Hearn. And I remember him telling me that Pat Riley was going to be really good at the job of being an analyst. So even Chick had no inclination that uh, this guy was even close to becoming the head coach of the team. And the portrayal of him, though, in that winning time was uh, outrageous. And and I can't imagine that Jerry West was literally in his office uh, throwing, like, uh, MVP trophies through the window because Magic Johnson was the draft pick uh, of the Lakers. I mean, it just seemed so out of character. And what a bad hairpiece they had on the guy to play Jerry West. Jerry would never be caught dead with a rug like that on his head. But uh, as Perlman said, I mean, it was theater. So, and, and people loved that series. They, yeah. they really did. It was one of the more well received sports drama series that, that uh, you will ever find. The, the guy that played Jerry Buss it was, it was kind of wild, also. Nah. Uh, you know, and, and, and that was the image of Jerry Buss, his playboy. Yep. There were a lot of other things going on that they didn't really uh, go to the extreme to actually depict reality. And it already seemed outrageous because the story goes that Mike Tyson was like banging one yep. of the uh, Laker cheerleaders. Yep, yep. In the office uh, of the uh, like Genie Bus or something, <laughs> I don't know if Genie was as prominent with the team then because Dr. Jerry was still very much alive. But uh, you know, th- but that was like a frequent occurrence that if you went to the Laker Club or whatever that was, the Laker Lounge, you no, know, they-, they were like you know uh, just short of Kareem, they were doing coke before the ball games <laughs> and then going out there and laying it on the Warriors and winning by thirty in a runaway. So uh, interesting though, Jeff Perman, good guy, yeah, very interesting. And he's written about, I mean, he did books on Bonds. Yeah, How cooperative do you think Barry was uh, oh, with that uh, particular piece of work?
2: We've yeah. talked with him about almost every book, and I remember him talking about the guys that were, like, Brett Favre was not very cooperative. Barry Bonds was not very cooperative. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Bonds, I mean, imagine that. who was the guy? It was uh, Williams. Uh, well, Matt Williams. Was not a fan. I had the locker next to uh, Barry Bonds, and Matt Williams used to, you know, get And and he would be the subject of a zillion interviews because Bonds was never there. He had the throne, even when he was on the road in the locker room. And you knew he wasn't coming out to talk to anybody. And so, you know, you're thinking, well, let me uh, go. And this was during the year where he's pursuing the uh, uh, Hank Aaron record. And uh, also, you know, uh, trying to set the uh, home run record for a single season and everybody wanted to talk to him. I mean, there were like 40 reporters in the locker room. Uh, People were coming in uh, nationally as uh, I remember uh, going to a Giants game when we were playing the Marlins, and I ended up with a, a nice interview with Matt Williams. Nice, <laughs> he, he he would do them all. Yeah, he was a super nice guy. I always root from. Him. I think he's a third base coach somewhere. Uh, maybe uh, what was he with the Texas Rangers or something? Matt Williams. He was a manager once, coach third a, base. At one point. He, was manager, he was a manager, yeah, manager. with the Nationals. Yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah, 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 one point. But um, yeah, he, he he would he had the locker next to Barry Bonds, and he was the only guy that was talking from the entire San Francisco uh, Giants organization. It was great, but, uh, you know, that that can't be easy to do uh, books and have them be accurate mm. about people that have no desire to cooperate with you whatsoever. Now, was Brett Favre in on the thing that he wrote uh, about so.
2: Brett Favre? No, he remember, he, he talks about his success, but he also is pretty hard on him, and Brett Favre, I presume, was not one to discuss that. So, no, I don't know if Brett Favre got very much... Into it, I know the Laker one. He went really deep into it. I know the Laker. You the don't hear
0: one. that level of disgust coming from like Roger Goodell or anybody associated with the NFL, do no, you? No, no! I no. mean, maybe it's not their place to comment on this, but Brett Favre, a, a legendary association with the National Football League. Yep. And yeah, I mean th- that that is such an atrocity. Although, if he was running on a Republican ticket, uh, they would ignore that whole thing and just say, <laughs> uh, you know what? He'd
2: have a shot.
0: <laughs> Mississippi would be well represented by this criminal.
2: Exactly. He Unbelievable. Definitely, he definitely have a chance. All right, how, how
0: are you? Are you okay? I mean, we, we still have a country, I guess, after we, last night. We are still here. But that was that was the good thing. So yeah. That's a
2: win. <laughs> I mean, we're in Florida, so I don't know if we're still here. I guess we have sort of seceded from the union. But Herschel
0: Walker, who, who should be the poster child for CTE, as yes. you said, yes. on our morning show. Yes, uh, a, a very unfortunate circumstance yes, uh, that afflicts mockery, uh, athletes sad. and. Uh, You know, as we're talking about that, uh, this is kind of a macabre thing to bring up. And and I'm hoping for the best for this guy because I'm a huge boxing fan. And I've often wrestled with my uh, love of the sport, which was inherent. I've loved boxing since as far back as I can remember. I was always interested in it. I was always fascinated by it. Uh, When I was covering boxing on an extensive basis, uh, I I, I loved getting to know all of the characters. I I feel uh, that was a good part of my life was... Just, uh, you know, getting to meet and know and actually, uh, you know, become uh, friendly with uh, legendary uh, boxing uh, people like Angelo Dundee and the fight doctor, Freddie Pacheco, and all the other great people I, I got to meet Bert Burt Sugar uh, o- over the years. But I've always wrestled with this. And, and and the NFL obviously ignores this and had for a long time. Uh, they, they try to acknowledge it now, but they really don't want to. And that is the, uh, you know, debilitating aspects of the sport, which could... I mean, lead to catastrophic results, not just later in life, but immediately. And there's a boxer, he fought the other night, and I was watching a fight. Uh, the kid that was, uh, you know, the, the star in the showcase guy, what was uh, a guy named uh, uh, Morel, David Morel Jr., who is uh, managed by a couple of people that I know here in South Florida, uh, Louis DeCubis and Leon Margulies of Warriors Boxing, and he's been fighting essentially out of Minnesota. So he fights this guy and I hope I do justice to his name here, uh, Ados Yerbo-Sinouli, yerbo Uh who gave him a tough battle for 12 rounds. He, he was losing pretty much every round, but they were competitive losing rounds, if that makes sense. Where, okay, it was clear that morell was uh, the superior guy in, in virtually every round of the fight, but the other guy was right there. I mean, he was banging away. He, he just wasn't doing it as often, and he was receiving more punishment than he was doling out. But he he was taking a lot of shots during the fight. So uh, this guy gets to the 12th round. The referee is Tony Weeks, generally regarded as a very competent and professional referee, not somebody that's immersed in scandal or any of that stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's been involved in any tragedies before. But this uh, Yerbo Sinuli is now in a medically induced coma. Oh, jeez. And and as I was watching the fight, he got knocked down in the 12th round. I thought they, they ought to stop it. And uh, the, the guy, his trainer now, is saying that he, he was ready to throw in the towel before that. But he, he he got knocked down and weeks let the fight continue. And then he, he suffered a hideous knockout and, and now finds himself, unfortunately, uh, you know, clinging to life. So uh, but we're hoping, that uh, you know, for the best there. But, uh, you know, you, you often question. I mean, here, uh, I, I love it. I'll watch any boxing match. It doesn't matter. I mean, it could be conducted. You don't even have to have an uh, you know, English translation. I'll watch them even though I speak no Spanish or whatever. Uh, you know, because I've always been fascinated by the sport. But uh, it's hard to justify, you know, uh, yeah. the, the sanctioning of it, yeah, it when stuff like this is happening. And, and uh, obviously, football has – I mean, boxing, they're literally hitting you in the head. But football has, you know, had a serious catastrophic consequences for so many people. And, uh, you know, Herschel Walker running for Senate uh, only – only illustrates that, does it not? Yep. This guy doesn't know what day is. He 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 really thinks that I'm he dumb. was uh, you know an alien from Mars.
2: No, he said I don't know about the alien, but but he said he was in the CIA, the FBI, and it's like, dude, we we know what you've done in your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you played football in the USFL for UF Donnie UFC Trump, and randomly did MMA in your fifties, which is yeah, definitely led to. You were taking Green
0: handoffs now. from Doug Flutie, and uh, you know <laughs> we're, we're running a ball for Georgia. <laughs> His popularity is no surprise, but oh, yeah, uh, the yeah, fact yeah. that he, after demonstrating that he clearly is, uh, you know, in no condition to uh, be, uh, you know, anything, representing anybody, even dog catcher in the state of Georgia, uh, he, uh, you know, bull dog catcher or whatever, uh, to be a U.S. senator, I mean, is absurd. And, and yet he's right there. I mean, they're going to have to have a runoff, I guess, yeah. to decide this race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully in the 2% of the uh, Libertarian uh, guy's vote. So we'll go I'm to this sure. Warnock guy who Warnock, yeah. at least seems credible by comparison to uh, Herschel Walker, no? Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. I, I was afraid we are going to lose the country last night, Luby. I, I don't think we did. We still have a country, I think. Uh, we don't have a state. State of Florida. Yeah. I don't know if <laughs> that made it into the <laughs> podcast there because of our technical difficulties. Boy, but it it. we really it. did get a red Earl Shy paint job. Yep, yep, yep. Yesterday. And uh, wow, Uh, almost uh, so overwhelmingly so that uh, you would have to throw in the towel on this state for the next 20 years. No, Stone Age. At
2: least the next two. (laughs) We'll we'll see after that.
0: It's not going to change soon. It it really Uh, is. The Democrats have zero presence here. It's crazy. Uh, Even in places where they used to uh, have a stronghold, certain counties that were heavily populated that would make up for the hillbillies and the people with no teeth that are voting for the right wing. Uh, not that we take a position on this, but uh, <laughs> there you have it, as Gordon Solie would say, the famous, famous wrestling announcer. All right, uh, thanks to Jeff Perlman for joining us. Sorry I wasn't able to participate in much of that, but uh, we were getting a real funky uh, thing happening there during that, and uh, it may be happening again. So uh, for Mike Luby Lubitz, I want to tell you people that uh, no matter what you're doing, even if a hurricane is hitting, even if your state just went, uh, you know, all the way back to a till and a hunt, and uh, you turn the clocks back into the Stone Age. Uh, whatever's happening, j- just keep the faith, people, because you you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere. Not too loud, but good energy. Reasonable prices. And a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there It's the one-day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you.